I am certain. I'm convinced. I'm sure that I am going to see the goodness of God, no matter what it looks like right now, even if enemies are encamped around me, if they deploy an army against me, if everybody's out to get me, I'm still certain that even in this, I will see the goodness of God. That was the resolve that David held. Welcome to Refuge Podcast, a weekly Bible study for young adults at Calvary Chapel, San Juan Capistrano. Okay, let's get into it then. Um, so here we go, quickly. Um, I will say this, this is what it has impacted me, uh, reading through this psalm all week. Um, you know, I've been reading the Bible since I was probably 11, 12, really like reading it myself, you know, uh, when I was in junior high, well, when I was in like sixth grade, um, going into junior high, the junior high pastor was like, hey, you should read a proverb and a psalm every day and then like a chapter of something else. And I was like, great. And so I just did for the rest of my life pretty much. And I've been studying the Bible since I was probably 19. Like intentionally since I was 19, I've been trying to study this book here that we're reading. Um, and to be honest with you, there have been seasons in my life where theology was a vehicle that transported me into great intimacy with God, for sure. Um, there have also been, if I'm being honest, seasons in my life where uh, theology got in the way of my relationship with God. What do I mean by that? Um, I just mean I was more eager to know about God than know God himself. Does that make sense? Um, and so, you know, that's just like a, a confession of my own. So that being said, um, let's get into a little bit of an intro, but let's pray first. Thank you, Lord God, for who you are. Oh, we can't do anything apart from you and apart from the power and the work of your Holy Spirit. Jesus, when you ascended, you right before you died for us and resurrected, you said, it's good. It's for your benefit that I go because I send the helper. And in the power of the Holy Spirit, you guys will do things even greater than I have done. Uh, so Lord, tonight we grab onto that promise, though it seems kind of lofty. Uh, tonight, Lord, we grab onto the promise that you said great things would happen by the power of your Holy Spirit. We pray for that tonight, Lord. Um, just pray that your Holy Spirit would bring the word alive in our hearts and in our minds this evening. And that we would be able to read these words of David and that our souls would be encouraged in Jesus' name. Somebody said, amen. So David, some think, this is one of those psalms where they don't really know anything about it. They know it's written by David because it says a psalm of David. That's about it. They don't know when he wrote it exactly or uh, the circumstance that he wrote into when he was writing it necessarily. Some think David penned the psalm before coming to the throne before he was on the throne as king, uh, when he was in the midst of his troubles, running and hiding and doing all that. Perhaps um, it was right after the death of his parents. 
But the Jews think he penned it uh, when he was an old man, after being delivered from the sword of the giant, when Abishai uh, stepped in and saved David. After that, um, the people resolved that David wouldn't be able to wage his life in battle anymore. They were like, look, if you get killed, the light of Israel gets snuffed out. That's what they told him. Interesting side note. But uh, maybe it was not written on any particular occasion, but it does give us insight into the type of relationship that David, who's called the man after God's own heart, had with the living God. And it reads like this, Psalm 27, 1. The Lord is light and salvation. Whom should I fear? The Lord is the stronghold. Of whom should I be afraid? Do you notice anything about those verses as I read them? Anybody feel free to speak up? Anything in particular? Missing? He is asking questions. That's a good observation. Pastor Andrew Newman? That's an interesting observation. That's what's missing here. It says, personally, the Lord is my light. David says, the Lord is my salvation. The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Do you see the difference? It's one thing, thing to say, the Lord is light. And that is correct. And that is a beautiful thing. The Lord is light. And in him is no darkness at all. True. But David doesn't just say who God is. He grabs onto him personally and says who he is to David. He says, the Lord is my light. <laughs> He's my salvation. If I just started to tell you guys about a random person, and I was, say, say her name is Cynthia Marie, okay? And I say, you know, Cynthia Marie, she cooks. Cynthia Marie sings. Cynthia Marie um, is a great woman. You know, those words hit a certain type of way. But when I tell you Cynthia Marie, that's my mother's name. Yes, yeah, she cooked for me, for me my whole life. My mom made this dish called beef stroganoff, and it blew my mind for 37 years. Yes, come on, testify. Yes, my mother sings. She's a singer. She sings gospel music. But my mother sang lullabies to me. She sang to me to go to sleep. When I was a kid, I remember her holding me and singing that song from Lady and the Tramp, La La Lu, La La Lu, my little star sleeper. Anyways... Do you see the difference? If I just talk about a woman named Cynthia Marie, and then I, but then I, say, I talk about her as my mother. Do you see the difference? Do you see the intimacy that's tied to those words? My. The Lord is my light. He's my salvation. Whom should I fear? Of whom should I be afraid? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. I love the personalization he puts there. And it's so rad because like we just talked about, when the people of Israel told David, you're not going to be on the front lines anymore because if you die, the light of Israel gets snuffed out. David says, the Lord is my light. You guys call, call it the light of Israel. The Lord is my light. I'm the moon. I don't have light in and of myself. But I reflect a light that's greater than me. That's what David's heart is. So we must remember when studying the word that not only are we learning how God acts, but we're learning who God is, and because of who he is, we find our identity. Because of who he is, 
we can see who we are in light of that. We are children of the king. It says in Romans 8, 14, all those led by God's spirit are God's sons. That's an intimate relationship. For you did not receive a spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you received the spirit of adoption by whom we can cry out, Abba, Father. The spirit himself testifies together with our spirit that we're God's children. And if children, then heirs. And if heirs of God, then co-heirs with Christ, seeing that we suffer with him so that we may also be glorified with him. Learning about who God is shows us who we are in Christ. It informs us who we are in him and it draws us into a relationship that's not just empty facts. Okay? So David says, the Lord is my light. He is my salvation. Whom should I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom should I be afraid? And then he just starts to recount the faithfulness of God out loud. How many of us tonight need to confess the faithfulness of God out loud? You guys do that very often? You ever remind God how faithful he is? <laughs> you ever remind your own soul how faithful God's been in your life? It's cool to think about something, but it's a whole another thing to say it out loud. I would encourage you to try that. It's so, it's so simple to literally just be like, Lord, I remember that time that I got that flat tire and I didn't have enough money to pay for it. And then randomly my uncle called me and asked me if I needed money. And I said, yeah. And he hooked me up. You were taking care of me. Thank you for providing for me like that. Just remember out loud. That's what David does. And he says this, when evildoers came against me to devour my flesh, my foes and my enemies stumbled and fell. Though an army was deployed against me, my heart's not afraid. And though a war breaks out against me, still I am confident. It's so crazy hearing David say, when evildoers come against me to devour my flesh. Because automatically I think of when he had to face Goliath. And remember what Goliath says to him? He's like, oh man, I'm going to kill you. <laughs> Feed your flesh to the birds and the beasts. Isn't that, that's gnarly, man. Someone told me that in the streets, if it was about to go down, and someone was like, oh, man, I'm going to kill you. I'm going to feed your flesh to the birds and the beasts. I'd be like, whoa, man, we're good. <laughs> we're good, fam. I apologize. <laughs> but it's funny that David recounts the faithfulness of God. He said, when they came and tried to devour my flesh, you were faithful. When they, they stumbled and fell, and an army was deployed against me, but my heart was not afraid. Really? An army's deployed against you, but your heart's not afraid? What is that? that? Doesn't make any sense. One man against an army, and you're not afraid? David knew who his God was. It also reminds me this. Jesus, speaking in Matthew chapter 10, he says, don't fear those who could kill the body, but they're not able to kill the soul. Rather, fear him who's able to destroy both soul and and body in hell. Now we move on and we get this beautiful, intimate picture. And I want you guys to really pay attention to how David speaks here, okay? He says, I have asked one thing from the Lord. This is what I desire. 
that I would dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. Gazing on the beauty of the Lord and seeking him in his temple. For he will conceal me in his shelter in the day of adversary. He will hide me under the cover of his tent. He will set me high on a rock and then my head will be high above my enemies around me. I will offer sacrifices in his tent with shouts of joy. I will sing and make music to the Lord. That's David's one ask. He says, Lord, if there was one thing I could ask, it's that I would be in your presence forever. That's it. That's all he wants. It doesn't matter what David's facing. It doesn't matter the the weight that David's bearing on his shoulders of responsibility, being the king of Israel. None of these things David mentions. He says, one thing I ask and I would seek is to dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. I love it. I love it. In this section, I want us to see the raw honesty. David, man, if you've read through the Psalms, you know David does this thing where he's just honest, like raw honest. He'll say things that you're like, ooh, can you say that to God? I don't think, I don't think you could say that, dude. You can't, you can't like ask God to like crush your enemies' heads under your feet and stuff like that. You can't really do that. Yeah, you can. Yeah, David does. It's amazing. And something that the Lord's been teaching me, and a couple of you guys, when I look out, um, we're at the high school camp. So you know, something that the Lord has been teaching me is about this concept of raw honesty. Just being all the way honest with God. It's something that he's been calling me into. Um, I know that I have a tendency sometimes to lean, lean heavily on the all-knowing nature of God. And so I'll say things in prayer like, Lord, you know what's going on. But anyways, um, after that gets sorted out, just thanks for all that. And uh, yeah, just turn these four hours of sleep. I'm about to get into like nine, would you? And it's like, the Lord's been like, hey, I'm not going to do anything until you name it out loud. That's what he's been doing in me. I feel like the Lord wants to hear the most honest things that we have to say. And I promise you this, he welcomes anything that you have to say. Questions, statements, it doesn't matter. If, you, if there's something in your mind right now that you're like, yeah, but I'd never say that to the Lord though. Please do. You know why? Because the Bible says that the Lord knows the thoughts and the intents of a man's heart. He already knows what's in there. So why in the world would you play with him and act like, I'm just going to hold this one back. Maybe we'll talk about this another day. He knows. He already knows. How many times in the New Testament do we see Jesus just read people's minds? Right? A lot of times. Where he's like, I perceived in your heart uh, that you did not believe. And it's like, these guys must have been looking around like, we didn't say anything. What? How did he know that? <laughs> yeah, because he's God and God knows. He's a wizard. Burn him. <laughs> but David knew he could be 100% honest with God. And you know what? 
This is something, if you guys are taking notes, please write this down. Just say this. Lack of honesty prevents intimacy. Would you please write that down? Lack of honesty prevents intimacy. Now, does lack of honesty for the child of God prevent right standing with God? No, not necessarily. I'm not saying that if you're not 100% honest with God about every single little thing, then you're probably not saved. I'm not saying that. But this is what I am saying. Lack of honesty prevents intimacy. Intimacy with humans does two things. Number one, it drives you apart. Honesty. Did I say intimacy? I mean honesty. I'm sorry. <laughs> That's a totally different thing that I don't know anything about. Honesty. Honesty does two things with humans. Number one, it drives you apart. Certain people, you know for a fact, you don't say certain things because if you did, you wouldn't be friends anymore. Facts. I know because I do it too. Certain people, if I were to say the real thing in my heart, my deceitfully wicked above all things who could know at heart, it would end our relationship. We would not be cool anymore. I know that. Some of those things are just held under the power of the Holy Spirit. <laughs> Some of those things, if I'm being honest, my wicked heart tries to say, well, don't say that because you, you, know, you want to be cool with this person, so just don't say that. Just let it go. Okay. That's one thing. The second thing it does, and this is how it is with God, is it honesty draws us closer together. If I'm honest with you and our relationship is like that, then we're going to be closer because you just got to know me more. And I just gave trust to you, right? I said, I trust you enough to tell you everything that's going on right now. I'm going to be fully honest. There's not going to be anything between us anymore. Look, here's what's going on. You let someone into it. Now, with God being perfect, being good, God is a good father. It's only the second one for him. It's only honesty that brings us into intimacy with him. Because as a child of God, when he looks at you, he sees the righteousness of Christ. So you don't have to worry about God seeing you as some filthy sinner. Yes, we are, but we've been redeemed by the blood of Christ. So now we could approach the throne with boldness and honesty and say, this thing is driving me crazy. Or where were you yesterday when I needed you in that place? Where were you? I feel like you didn't show up for me. That's okay. It's okay to say that. Why? Because you already feel it in your heart. You already know that it's in there. So why would you hide it from your father? It won't do good things. What it does is it builds this little distance between you and God because you're holding something back. You're saying, oh, I don't want to go all the way there. God does. He does. He wants to go there. I call it, in the human world, I call it embracing the awkward. It's going to get awkward. I'm going to get really honest, and then it's going to get really awkward. And that's okay sometimes. <laughs> With God, it's always okay. And you should get so awkward that you're like embarrassed. You should, genuinely. 
You should be able to tell the Lord things that you wouldn't even say out loud. Tell him. He already knows, and he wants to hear you say it. I feel like I always bring up my daughter when I teach, but today, I really didn't want to make, like, a meal. You know what I'm saying? I just wanted to, like, have, a, have her have a sandwich or something like that. But she really wanted some uh, pasta, you know? And I was like, Zay, you could have a sandwich, man. Just have, just have a sandwich, dude. And she's like, Daddy, I would love pasta. And I was like, you want pasta? Get a bowl. She gets a bowl. I start teaching her how to make pasta. I'm like, all right, you got to turn on the stove, though, because I ain't turning the stove on. She's like, tick, 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 tick. I'm like, wow, dang, I didn't know you know how to do that. <laughs> Anyways. All that to say, man, it probably takes me like 20 minutes, which isn't that long in hindsight, and I love her, but I had to study, and I pulled this muscle in my leg, and I'm just kind of limping around. Anyways, so I was just not in like a great mood, but anyways, make this pasta. She and I are both on this like blood type diet thing right now, doesn't matter, but there's this like sheep cheese we could eat, and she's like, she loves cheese. My daughter's all about cheese. So I got to shave this, like, it's like this big old hard block of sheep cheese. And I'm, like, shaving these little shavings, like, a little bit of pepper. It's like, yeah. Trying to make it good for her, you know? So anyways, I spent 20 minutes making this stupid pasta dish. And she walks away. She's like, thank you. She calls me Didi. Thank you, Didi. Oh, I love, I love the way you make pasta. And I'm like, all right. You're welcome. You're welcome. And then I just hear, and I was like, the heck was that? Oh, weird. Anyways, so I'm studying, and then it's real quiet. As a parent, you know, if it's quiet, something's wrong, dude. Yeah. Like, if it's that quiet, there's, like, quiet, like, they're playing and humming. And then there's just real quiet where you're like, oh, no, something's wrong. So I walk in the room. The pasta's all over the floor. She fully just... And the thing was, I told her, hey, don't, because she was watching a movie, don't finish your movie on the iPad until you finish your pasta. And she grabbed that iPad and tried to pick up the bowl at the same time and just dumped it everywhere. So am I mad? No, I'm not mad. <laughs> but I'll tell you what bothered me, genuinely. I don't really care. I'm like, whatever. It's, we have, there's like, it's... <laughs> The floors are like laminate wood, so it's like you just wipe it off. Anyways, the thing that bothered me was that she didn't tell me. Like she didn't say, Dad, I dropped that pasta you just made. <laughs> you know what I mean? She, that would have been fine. I would have been like, oh, man, are you still going to eat it? Because you can. It's okay. No judgment. No? Okay, I'll make another one. I would have, it would have been fine. Genuinely, I wasn't like upset about it. It happens, man. Accidents happen. But what bothered me was she didn't say anything. And so I come in the room and I happen upon a scene where she's like, <gasps> and the pasta's all over the floor. And the bummer is she doesn't have to feel that way. She doesn't have to feel that fear of, oh my gosh, dad found out. And she also doesn't have, to fee she doesn't have to clean up the pasta by herself. Why would you? You're eight years old. You're not going to do a good job anyways. I'm going to walk by and slip on some butter later. What should she have done? Dad, something bad happened. Come in here. I come in there. Oh, my gosh. Are you okay? You're okay? Oh, that's whatever. It's just some pasta. You know what I'm saying? 
so it is with our relationship with the perfect Father. Would you please just invite him into things? Don't try to hide things and act like the Lord doesn't know about it. Like he didn't hear that plate hit the ground. Don't act like the Lord doesn't know when it gets eerily quiet between the two of you. What does that remind you of? It reminds me of the fall. It reminds me of the garden. Thank you guys, the worship team, for that song tonight. Man, it gets me every time. Communion. All of them. All of them. Thank you for serving us in that way. I appreciate it. But thank you so much for playing. I asked Billy to play communion because that's what I was thinking about when I was thinking about intimacy and honesty. The first thing that happens when they break relationship with God by sinning against him, the one thing he said don't do, the very first thing that happens is they lie to God. They quickly try to hide their shame with fig leaves, terrible idea, and they hide. They hear God coming and they go, oh, and they hide. Since when? Since when did they hide from God? Since when? Since just right there. That's the first time ever in the Bible that it says anything about them not just being in perfect fellowship with God. They were. There was no space between them, just like the song says. No space between us. So easy to love. Yes, pre-fall, no space between Adam and Eve and God. And then sin enters the world, and what enters in right on its tail? Lies. And what do the lies do? They hide from God and put distance between them and God. In the same way, those old great-great-grandpa and grandma sinners tried to hide from God, we try to do the same thing in our hearts. We try to do that same thing. It gets quiet and you're like, oh man, I'm not going to say anything. The Lord's coming. Joke's on you, man. He's always there. And he saw everything that happened. And he knows the thoughts and intents of your heart. He knows what's going on in your mind. So stop trying to hide from him and stop trying to fake him out because he's perfect and he knows everything. Are you honest with God? If so, how honest? And tonight, honestly, no point intended, I came to encourage you, and for some of you, I came to remind you to get back to being really honest with God. Please. Not for my sake, but for the sake of your intimacy with him. Be honest with him and watch your soul trust him more. Be honest with him and watch your problems get smaller and your God get bigger. Because that's what happens. When you confess your sin, he's faithful and just to forgive you of your sin. But confession is out loud. Get awkwardly honest with God, okay? Just do it.
So then David says this, and this is where he gets raw. He says, Lord, hear my voice when I call. Be gracious to me and answer me. My heart says this about you. You are to seek my face. Lord, I will seek your face. Don't hide your face from me. Do not turn your servant away in anger. You have been my helper. Do not leave me or abandon me. God of my salvation. And for some reason, this verse right here has comforted me so many times. It says, even though my father and mother abandoned me, even if, sorry, my father and mother abandoned me, the Lord cares for me. Something about that, man. To be honest with you, I grew up in a home where I had two loving parents that feared God. I'm very thankful for that. I never wondered, like, if my dad loved me or if my mom loved me. You know what I mean? There was love in the house. There was Jesus in the house. I'm so thankful for that. I know that's not everybody in here, genuinely. And um, the Lord knows that, too. But even with parents that I felt safe with and loved, this verse still always gave me comfort. Even if my father and my mother abandoned me, you won't. To me, it was like almost an inverted way. Like, well, my parents are great. And if, if my great parents that I love abandoned me, which I don't think they ever would, still you would never. So it's like my parents are good, but God's way up here. It's always comforted me. And, you know, just to... Just to say this tonight, in case you need to hear it, if, if there is one parent or both parents, or maybe you never even knew your parents, this is a promise in the word of God. Yeah, it's a psalm, it's a song, but this is still God-breathed. This is still something that you could hold on to when things feel shaky. The Bible says that even if your parents abandon you, he won't. Amen? Amen. Hold on to that. Maybe somebody needs to hear that tonight. But do you hear that desperation in, in David's voice? He cries out, Lord, hear my voice when I cry. He says, don't hide your face from me. That sounds like someone who's desperate for intimacy with God. It sounds like someone who's not willing to be on like a... Yeah, we're on a first-name basis with the Lord. It's not like, oh, yeah, I check in every once in a while. He's doing all right. Yeah, uh-huh. Yeah, I think he's got a son. Uh-huh. David's like, don't turn your face away from me. Stay engaged with me. Stay locked in this gaze with me, please. Because David knew. David was well aware of his shortcomings. I promise you he was. And he knew he didn't want anything to do with a relationship apart from God. David was well aware of where his light came from, where his power came from, where his authority came from, and he begs God to stay close. This is also why some people wrote this, some people think David might have written this after his parents passed because of that, that line, even if my father and my mother abandoned me, you won't. And lastly, it says, because of my adversaries, show me your way, Lord, and lead me on a level path. 
Do not give me over to the will of my foes, for false witnesses rise up against me, breathing violence. Oof, I love this last verse. Psalm 27, I'm sure it holds special meaning for a lot of you guys. Like, it's one of those psalms where when you read it, people's eyes go, oh, that one, yeah, I know that one. For me personally, um, probably my favorite modern worship song ever is written straight out of this book. I don't even know what it's called exactly because it's like really hard to find. <laughs> I think it's called the everlasting possibly, but it just says that the Lord is my light and salvation. Whom shall I fear? Of whom shall I be afraid? I will trust in you. Oh, it's like, it's my, one of my favorite modern worship songs. And this is that last verse. I am certain that I will see the Lord's goodness in the land of the living. I am certain, I'm convinced, I'm sure that I am going to see the goodness of God. No matter what it looks like right now, even if enemies are encamped around me, if they deploy an army against me, if everybody's out to get me, I'm still certain that even in this, I will see the goodness of God. That was the resolve that David held. That was his attitude. His attitude was like, I don't care what it is. What are you dealing with right now? Fill in the blank. I promise you, you will see the goodness of God in it. Why? Why? Because David saw God come through for him over and over and over and over again. People were hunting this man like prey, trying to kill him. They could not. Because he was anointed by God. Because God said, you will sit on the throne. And David, one of the very last things that comes out of David's pen, one of the very last Psalms he writes is this. Psalm 37, 25. He says, I have been young and now I am old. And not one time did I ever see the righteous forsaken or the children of God begging for bread. David, after all the things that he saw, facing giants, facing armies, Saul's trying to kill him. He's hiding in bushes. He's hiding in caves. He's running. And at the end of his life, his failures, the times where he just fell flat on his face in sin, open sin, the way the Lord restored him, the way the Lord was faithful to him, the way the Lord kept him. David says, I was a young man and now I'm an old man. I can barely see anymore and I can barely lift up this pen. But I'll tell you one more thing before I go. I never once saw God let me down. Not once. That's why David says, personally, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom should I fear? Why would I be afraid when God's been faithful for me 1,000 times out of 1,000 times? You think I'm going to be afraid? 1,001? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom should I be afraid? And it's so interesting to me with those verses. We see light, we see salvation, and we see life, right? These are the things that David attributes to God in his life. 
And out of the I am statements that we see in John, Jesus says what? In chapter 8, he says, I am the light of the world. Anyone who follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. David said, the Lord is my salvation. And Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me, even if he dies, will live. And David says, Lord is the strength of my life. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father except through me. The intimate relationship that David had with God. I remember one time, a man much smarter than me and who knows the Bible way better than me. I asked him, I was like, how in the world is anybody in the, like the Old Testament, like before Jesus died on the cross, how in the world were they saved? And he said, the same way you're saved. I said, what does that mean? He said, they looked forward to Christ. You look back. Hmm. David knew. David was looking forward to the Christ and putting his faith in him. He said, you're my life. You're my light and you're my salvation. So tonight, worship team, you guys could come up. Tonight, man, I hope, I hope just that you even saw one thing that you could take away and be a little bit closer with God. David was the kind of guy that was not at all hesitant to praise God for who he was. We have a whole book of David just writing songs. Sometimes it feels like I'm reading David's diary. You know what I mean? You're just watching him pour his heart out. David was so quick to give praise to God. David was so quick to be awkwardly honest with God. And David knew his God in the type of intimate way where he would say, I'm not afraid. I know who you are. Lord is a light in my salvation. He said his word is a lamp unto my feet. He said I was a young man and now I'm an old man and I never one time saw him fail. I would just encourage you guys to press into an intimate relationship with the Lord. Not just a theological one, not just one where you know about him, what he likes and what he doesn't like. That's important for sure. But who is God to you? And what does that relationship look like? And if you're being honest, I'm asking you this question. Do you feel like there's space for you and the Lord to be closer? Do you feel like, you know what? <sighs> yeah, I know the Lord. I love the Lord. But definitely we could be closer. Do you know where that begins? With honesty.